few weeks ago, I read an article about the, the uh, seafood industry in the United States and how huge it is. Uh, it's an $80.5 billion a year industry in America. So seafood is, I mean, it is, it is almost like king. But what Consumer Reports discovered is that 20 to 25% of the fish that are, they're, they're uh, misidentified, they're marketed as being something that they're really not. Now, my guess is for somebody like me, whenever I'm eating scallops, that probably means I'm eating catfish. And so they're trying to sell stuff or pass it off as being something that it's really not. And I thought about that, and I thought in the same vein, I think that's what a lot of us do concerning God. We have these different ideas, or we hear these different stories about who God is, and we, we buy into them, and it has really nothing to do with who the God of the Bible is. And so today we're going to be looking at one of the lies that, that Satan tells us over and over again, and that is God would not allow or God would not send anybody to hell. Now that sounds good. Now if you're a person who disagrees with that, if you decide that you're going to disagree with that, you really don't look that good. I mean, you seem kind of like a mean person. You know, like, well, I believe God's going to allow everybody to go to heaven, and you're like, no, he's not. I mean, that sounds like you're a person who thinks that it's going to be fun to watch God judge and watch God wipe people out. And so if you have a, a viewpoint that is different than the world, many times it can make you look unpopular. But what I want us to do today is I don't want us to, to look and examine what our opinions are about God, what we think that God's going to do, but I just want us to look and see what the Bible has to say about who God is. Because it's then that I believe that we get a better understanding of God. And so concerning the lie we're going to look at today, we're going to get a little feel for who God really is when we look in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, go ahead and do that. But uh, today in our scripture, we're going to tackle that lie that God would not send or God would not allow anybody to go to hell. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you may not, may not like what you discover when we look into our text today. But that's okay. Uh, it's just my hope that you'll have a, a picture, a biblical picture, of what the Bible says about God. Now, in the section of Scripture we're looking at, it's, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Have you all heard of that before? Sermon on the Mount. Most popular or most well-known sermon that Jesus ever preached. Uh, whenever he preached this message, he was up in northern Israel, uh, right off the Sea of Galilee, and it's estimated that around 20 to 25,000 people went there to listen to Jesus preach. Now, that's a, that is an enormous crowd. And just being a natural skeptic, of course, one of the, the major questions I have is, how in the world can you preach to twenty to 25,000 people and they be able to hear you before there was ever a microphone? Okay, so I'm like, how does that happen? Now, here's a real neat thing. Y'all, this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today, so this is free. Uh, whenever we went to Israel, this is years ago, we went up there, and it was at the Sea of Galilee, and they said, this is the site where we believe Jesus preached this. And so I'm like, man, how do you hear, how does that mean people hear Jesus speak? Well, the neat thing about it, it's a natural amphitheater. And so if you go down right by the water, you can actually speak, and up near the top, you can hear somebody just talking in regular voice, and you can clearly hear it. And I just thought, to me, that is really cool. 
And so I know that you're thinking, what does this have to do with anything here? Nothing. But it's a neat story. So anyway, 20 to 25,000 people come to hear Jesus speak. Why such a big crowd? And what's the big deal about Jesus? Here's the big deal about Jesus. He was an incredible teacher. As a matter of fact, in the Gospels it says that people were drawn to him because when he preached, he spoke differently than everybody else. He spoke as one who had authority. And then to top it off, he performed miracles. I mean, he got dead people to come to life again. Are you going to want to see somebody like this? I'm like, this is going to be a great show. So 20 to 25,000 people come to listen to Jesus speak. But here's what's interesting about Jesus. Jesus isn't really interested in just drawing crowds. What Jesus is interested in is making followers, disciples. And so he tells the people there a truth so that they would understand who he really is. So that they would know what he's like. Because he knew if they had misidentified him, then they would miss out on knowing who he really was and what he intended for them. And so what you're going to see is that, that God all throughout Scripture, Jesus all throughout Scripture reminds us over and over again, listen, I want you to know the truth. Because the devil is a liar. And back in John 8, Jesus clearly points this out. He said this of the devil. He said, he was a murderer from the beginning. He's not stood in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar. And he is the father of lies. And so Jesus tells us the truth today. And the truth that he tells us, what he's letting us know is that there are some things or there's some facts that, that Satan doesn't want us to know. Now popular opinion oftentimes is very different than what the Bible says. And one of the facts that Satan does not want us to know, here it, here it is, starts off right here. The road to hell is wide. Road to hell is wide. Now I know it's not fun to talk about hell, but it's just real intriguing to me that as you look in the Bible, Jesus talked about it a whole lot. So we better have, have an idea of what he had to say about it. And Jesus lets us know here, hey, the road to hell is wide, and the devil doesn't want you to know that. If you look in verse number 13, this is what Jesus says. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. Now, there are a lot of people who are going to tell us, and there's a real, a real large group of people who believe it doesn't matter how you live, it doesn't matter what God you believe in, in the end, you're going to be okay. You know, in the end, you're going to end up going to heaven. Now that sounds good, and I'm not, I'm not here saying, man, I hope that's not true. But Jesus turns everything on its head when you look in verse number 13. Jesus doesn't say this. When you look in verse number 13, what Jesus tells us is that the road to hell is wide. In other words, it's a heavily trafficked road. There's a lot of people going down it. And you have to say, why? I mean, I don't know anybody who says, man, I hope I go to hell. I mean, you know, nobody says that. And yet Jesus is letting us know that it is a popular road for people to travel down. Why is that? Because people are attracted to that kind of a road because it's wide. And I thought about that just in our context. And I started thinking, you know, what is it like for you when you're driving on hard scrabble road whenever Ridgeview High School gets out or whenever it's like 5 o'clock traffic? Do y'all enjoy that? 
I mean, interesting that doesn't that just bless your spirit when you're driving down the road? I tell you what, when I get on that road and I'm driving, and especially when they're letting school out, I I think if I man, I might not. Sometimes I think I might not be a Christian because I'm having all these thoughts just flow through my mind. Now during that time, you know where I'd rather be? What road I'd rather be on? I'd rather be on a big road. I'd rather be like on I-77. It's got more lanes. You're able to move, maneuver around a lot more easily. There's not really any restrictions. You can drive, you know, just throw yourself into traffic and let traffic carry you along. And that's what a lot of people do spiritually. You know, we, we look and we say, man, that road over there, if you're going to follow after God, that road, it looks kind of tight. I'd rather be on a wide road, rather be on a bigger road. A road where there's no stress or there's a road where there's no, you know, no, nobody trying to force commitment on me. Nobody trying to make me believe or tell me how I'm supposed to live my life. That's an attractive road. It's not the best road. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. This is the devil. It says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, because of this, we were by nature objects of wrath. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. It takes discipline not to get on the big road. It takes discipline not to... Not to go along with what everybody else says and with what everybody else does. And I'm going to tell you, it's, living without discipline is a lot easier than living with it. And I think, we, I think in general, we, we all know this. I mean, let me try to give you an example. I, I don't know too many people who really enjoy eating right and exercising. Now, I know that there are some of you who do but you're not really human beings, and so y'all don't count. But for everybody else, it is, it is so much easier to just live a sedentary lifestyle. I mean, isn't it? I mean, who wants to get up and go say, yeah, I don't know how you people say, there are some of y'all who run like a half marathon, like every, every weekend, and I'm looking, it's like, why would you want to do that? I mean, I'd rather, I had honestly rather just sit down in front of the television and watch... I would even watch toddlers and tiaras instead of doing something like that. It is a lot easier to sit down and, and, and uh, not be disciplined in, in my eating and eat, eat the food that is bad for me, which is so strange that it's always the food that tastes the best. But, you know, to eat the food that, that I would rather eat than the good stuff and just enjoy it. But you know what happens whenever you enjoy that kind of a lifestyle without discipline over a period of time? It's, it's bad for you. Right? Isn't that weird? And, and we know this. We know that an undisciplined lifestyle, ultimately, while it's easy to do, ultimately, it is bad for you. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is a way to death. Now, there's some, there's some facts that the devil doesn't want us to know. The first fact he doesn't want us to know is what the Bible says. The road to hell, it is wide. A lot of people going down it. It's, it's wide. It's, it's, it's wide because it's attractive. But the second, the second thing he doesn't want you to know is that the road to heaven is narrow. That's really interesting to me. The road to heaven is narrow. And if you look again in verse 14, it says, How narrow is the gate 
and difficult the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. That word narrow means to groan from being under pressure. It means to constrict. Now that doesn't sound real attractive. I mean, who wants to get on a road that's going to cause you to groan because you're being constricted? Now, is, is Jesus, you know, is he trying to make the road to heaven really unattractive? Is he letting us know if you're going to go down it, then what God's going to do is he's going to choke the life out of you? No, it's the exact opposite. You go down that road, God's going to give you life. He's going to give you hope. Now, now why is it constricting then? Why is it considered narrow? Because what you're doing, it's narrow because you are giving up your ways and your leadership saying, now I'm going to follow God's ways and his leadership. Now that's best for us, but as human beings, it is so constricting for us to think that I'm going to release myself to the leadership of God. God doesn't want to choke the life out of you. He wants to give you life. 2 Peter 3.9 says, the Lord's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's not sent up in heaven just waiting to bash you in the head. God wants a relationship with you. And whenever he sees you seeking after him, you know what he's going to do? He's going to reveal himself to you. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7 through 8, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now just in those verses, you can leave those verses up there. Let me ask you a question. When you look at those verses, who is responsible for those actions? Y'all get to participate here. We are. What, what are you to do? To ask. You ask. Seek. Knock. Seek after God. Seek after his leadership. Now what happens if we do those things? He says you will receive. He says the door will be opened. Now you say, well that's true. Then why does it say his way is narrow? Because if you decide you're going to hop on God's narrow road, you are saying, God, I understand that me, as undisciplined in my nature as I am, that it leads to destruction. So God, I'm going to lay aside my, my baggage, my, my ways, my desires, and I'm going to take on yours. You know, so why would I do that? Why do I want to take a, why It's me. Why would I give up me? Because guys, whenever I'm living for me, I'm heading to destruction. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. To find Jesus means I have to be willing to deny myself. To find Jesus means I have to be willing to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you instead of me. I'm going to follow your ways. Why? Because guys, this is what I've learned personally. When I choose me, when I choose my ways, when I choose to go after the things I want, I am never, ever satisfied. I always want more. I always want something else. Let me tell you something. I, I've, I've lived here for a long time. 
I've watched Carolina football for a long time. I know not everybody's a Carolina fan. That's okay. But I've watched Carolina. Man, I watched them lose and lose and lose. Okay, now they're starting to win. That's kind of fun, isn't it? But are you satisfied? I mean, they've won for a number of years in a row now, which is kind of cool. Are you satisfied? I'm not. I want more. But what I want, I want another, you know, I want another victory over some in-state rivalry that we have here. Like to see a SEC championship, like to see a national championship. You think I'm going to be satisfied? Will you be satisfied if we actually get one of those? No. What are we going to want? We're going to want more. And that's why Satan, what he does is he puts our wants and our desires before us. And he says, go after those things. That's what you want. And so as we go after those things, he understands we will never be satisfied. And so he puts sin before us. And we go after it and it it feels good and it's fun to do. But man, it leaves us empty. There's a story that Paul Harvey told a number of years ago. I will... I will make it a brief story because my wife hates this story. So she doesn't know about it yet, but she hates it. She, when every time I tell it, she's like, don't tell that story. It's a story about how an Eskimo uh, hunts a wolf in the Arctic. So Paul Harvey told it. I did not. So here's what happens. He does. He takes an Eskimo. Will take, you know, we, wolves are not, they're not, you know, they're not a family friendly. And so they destroy things, so they have, to, they have to try to keep them down, keep them away from them. So an Eskimo will take a knife, he will cover it in layer after layer of animal blood. It's a good story already, isn't it? And so he's covered it up, and then he'll post it, put it in the ground in a stake, and because it's in the Arctic, it freezes, and it becomes, it's like a blood popsicle, okay, for lack of a better term. All right, so we're getting ready for lunch, Joe. Be excited about this. So he's got this blood popsicle on the ground. A wolf has a great, a very keen sense of smell. It will find... That, that blood stick and it will begin to lick it and it licks it because that's what it naturally craves and it begins to lick that animal blood and lick it and lick it and it gets more and more vigorous and then after a period of time it licks all of the blood away but it's still so so hungry for more it continues to lick that knife not realizing because in the Arctic he's cut his tongue and he still thinks he's drinking blood he is but it's no longer animal blood it's his blood And the next morning, the Eskimo will find that wolf dead in the snow. Isn't that a neat story? (laughs) Yeah. All right, now why don't I tell you the story? I tell you the story for this reason. That is what sin does. That's what the devil does to us. He puts sin before us. I said in the first service, it's a sin popsicle of all the things we want. And we get on top of that thing, and we lick it, and go after it, and go after it. And before long... We're still not satisfied. We don't realize that we've cut ourselves. And the only thing that we are doing is we are consuming our soul. We are consuming ourselves until all that's left is our dead body lying on the ground. That's what the devil wants from you. There's some lies the devil tells us. Road to hell, it's wide. Road to heaven, it's narrow. It's the last last thing he doesn't want you to know. Only a few are going to go there. Only a few are going to go to heaven. Now, is it because we're saying, hey, listen, it's a, it's a little secret club? No, that's not what I'm talking about here. Jesus said this, verse 14. He said, how narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. In uh, 2005, ABC News did a poll, and they found that 8 out of 10 Americans believe in heaven. 75% of those people believe that everybody's going to go to heaven. doesn't matter what you do. doesn't matter what you, how you live. doesn't matter what God you believe in. Everybody's going to go to heaven. Sounds good. So how does this compare to what the Bible says? 
Well, again, if you look and see what the Bible has to say, Jesus said in verse 14, small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. There is a discrepancy there. Would you agree? There's a discrepancy between a popular opinion and what the Bible says. A big-time discrepancy. So what's, what's the deal here? Well, the Bible here is not, it's not saying that, that God loves it when people don't know him. As a matter of fact, in the book of Ezekiel, I think it's Ezekiel 33, it says God, God despairs whenever an unrighteous person dies. Because he knows they're going to be separated from him. 2 Peter 3.9, again, it says that God desires for people to come into a relationship with him. So the question is, why do only a few people find the narrow road? Is it because the, the gate is small, because it's, the road is narrow? You know, like it's, it's just something that's really difficult to get into? No. There is no limit as to who can go to heaven. It is open for all of us. John 3.16, it says, For God so loved... Yeah, the word, it doesn't say for God, so, for God so loved the few. It says, For God so loved the world. Heaven is available to all of us. It says, Whosoever believes in Him will not perish. But not everybody chooses to believe in Him. Now, you could be thinking, well, is it, is it few, only a few are going to find it? Because maybe it's like a restaurant. You know, you go to a restaurant, you really want to eat there. You show up, and then the, the guy comes out, the maitre d' might come out and say, we'd love for you to eat here, but man, we are jam-packed. Out of room. Sorry, you're out of luck. Is that how heaven's going to be? God's grace doesn't know any limits. It's for all of us. Again, Romans 6, 19 says, For just as through the disobedience of one man, Adam, there many, there, uh, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. The many can be made righteous, but only a few will find it. Why is it? Because ultimately, it comes down to us. Do you know that? Salvation is from God. But there comes a time when we have to make a decision about God. Are we going to stand with Him or stand against Him? Are we going to be for Him or are we going to be against Him? In the Old Testament, Joshua talked to the Hebrew people before he was getting ready to die. And he told them, he said, you have to choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You'll serve God, you'll serve yourself. Choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve. He said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The devil lies to us. He tells us it doesn't matter what you do. You don't have to make a decision. God's already made it for you. You're going to be fine. But guys, when I look in Scripture, that's not what it says. I'm afraid there are many people who buy into popular opinion and we base our faith off of what people think instead of what God says. I don't don't believe the lies of Satan. Look into the word of truth for yourself. You see, God wants you to know him and know with certainty where you stand with him. In 1 John 5.13, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. What's Satan? He is a liar. And there are things he doesn't want you to know. The road to hell is wide. Road to heaven's narrow, and only a few people are going to find it. Now, with that in mind, 
do you know? You know, do you know? Do you know where you are in your relationship with God? Do you know that if you were to die, do you know with certainty that you would spend your eternity in heaven? And some, I think some people say, yeah, I think I'll be fine. It's all going to work out well. Uh, but do you know, according to the truth, where you stand with God? Because God wants you to know. And you can know because of what he says.